0: of that course, and I found out what headaches are. <laughs> so uh, on the table out there by the door too, I put some information about NBBI, and uh, some of you have been to our men's retreat, which is coming up in the new year, January 26th, 27th, and um, encourage you to come out for that. Teens, we have a, two teen retreats, one is February uh, 21st through 23rd, and the other one is March uh, 21st. Uh, through, the, I believe, 22nd, and encourage you uh, to consider coming to them. Well, I was driving home last night. I had to go back to NBBI for a couple things today. And I was driving back and uh, praying and just uh, going through everything. And the Lord really laid on my heart to start off tonight. Those of you that weren't here last night, uh, challenged, encouraged, and hopefully motivated to pray more for missions. And I shared a story with Greg, and as they are going in into aviation with, with jars in a very vital ministry, it's very important that people pray daily, hourly, for them. As Margaret heads out, it's very important as well. So I want to share a little PowerPoint uh, that I put together. I just briefly shared this story uh, last night with Greg, and I'm not going to go into all of the details, but I want to show you a couple pictures... Uh, of something that happened in, in Bolivia. And uh, so praying, guys, I, I am convinced that we don't pray enough for our missionaries. I was thinking on the way home, if, if we had, you know, we have a Fitbit to, to measure how many steps we take. Uh, if we had something that, not for works sort or of to boast, but something that calculated how much time we spent in prayer, how much time would we say that we actually spend in prayer. And so I would encourage you to pray uh, more for missionaries. This is uh, good friends of my wife's and ours. They're, they're actually from Pennsylvania, not too far from where my wife is, and Tony and Joanna Mern. There, he is a, a missionary pilot, been in Bolivia now almost 30 years. Very good friends of ours and has been flying, for almost thirty years. He has an incredible prayer team. And I know Tony very well, and I know that him and his wife uh, are prayer warriors as well. And a couple people told me that last night, and I'm very encouraged to hear that. And I want to encourage you. Let's 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 take this serious and, and let's go above and beyond what we are doing in praying for uh, missions. And one of the things that I have enjoyed, where my wife and I lived um, for three and a half years, I told a couple people, but we had the option of, of a 12-hour drive. Now, I never did the conversion, okay? But it was 252 kilometers. That's not very far. And it took us 12 hours to go 252 kilometers, or we could do it in about a 30-minute flight. <laughs> and... uh Sometimes we did fly because of urgency and, and sometimes because of the roads and, and rainy season and I, I love flying with Tony, and Tony is a man of prayer, and never takes off without stopping to pray and that 's not the only time, but uh, a man of prayer and not only is he a pilot as he 's a good friend, and you know we visit back and forth. On, on a regular basis, he has young adults in college and career in his house, and they're investing in them, and, and God is using him uh, in, in a, an amazing way. Well, one time he was flying, and he took someone to their location, and it was in the part uh, where there's no no mountains and no trees, and because there's no mountains or trees, he was only flying at 300 feet. And, and all of a sudden, just like that, uh, something happened and he lost oil pressure and he, he didn't want to ruin the engine so he shut it off now if you're losing oil pressure or lost oil pressure on your car you know you can pull over well correct me greg with your experience or not there's not really a cloud that you can pull over and then hop out and add a cord or fix whatever was wrong and and so tony radioed mayday mayday and we always have someone flight following, and his wife was flight following. And so uh, he, gave, he said, Mayday, Mayday, and he gave the coordinates. And as soon as he gave the coordinates, he heard, Repítalo, which means repeat it. And so he repeated again. And the guy came back and said, This is uh, so-and-so in the Cochabamba Tower. He said, Just to your left is a grass airstrip. He said, I flew I flew in the Bolivian Air Force, and I personally have landed there. He said, just dead stick over (laughs) at 300 feet. Don't don't take long to come down at 300 feet. If you don't believe me, I'll throw you, okay? (laughs) Oh, I probably can't get you up 300 feet. But he dead sticked over, and folks, there was a grass airstrip. Landed. No engine without damaging their plane. But that day, a people group, a nomadic people group was found called the Yorakare. Have you ever felt like nobody knows you're alive? Nobody knew the Yorakare existed. They're a nomadic. And as you can see there in the picture, there's some huts. There's some houses there. And so that day, the Yorakare people were found. Accidents, we often say, huh? Hmm, interesting what happened there. And so um, the mission had two airplanes, and so the other one flew out and uh, took the parts that they needed and the oil, and the plane was going. But you know how the Lord works is so amazing because at that time there was an oblivion couple that were looking for a place to move into. Innocencio and Daria Guzman. Within a week they were living there. And folks, this is the picture of the church that's there now. Looks a little bit different than your church. They don't have to deal with that. What's that white stuff called? You know, they don't have to deal with that fluffy stuff. They don't. And there is a church there now because of an oil leak. And how many people pray for Tony and Joanna? That, guys, is amazing. In fact, I've been blessed To to meet, there's a guy in the middle of the doorway of the church building, Tito is is his name. Tito speaks three languages, this is a picture, Uh, Tony's in the middle, Innocencio is on the left, and Tito is on the right. And and you know what, God gave them a vision uh, a few years ago, because up and down the river there, there is other villages. And and God gave them a vision to plant ten churches in ten years. And you know what, folks? The last time I communicated to Tony, they planted seven churches where there, were, where there were no churches. And in fact, Tony is now, he asked me to pray about something. He is now setting up a Bible school there. And asked if I would come down and, and pray about teaching a module or uh, take like the book of 1 Corinthians, for example, and teach it. It is amazing. Okay, and and the ministry that that they have, and as you can see, here is their suburban um, that they use to travel. I ninety five. Sorry, if you guys have a suburban, um, I saw one. People up and down this river need the gospel. They need the gospel. It's amazing. There they are headed down river. Here's one of the churches that they planted. Looks a little bit different, doesn't it? But you know what? It's the hearts and souls of men that matter. And it is exciting. God God is is working today. Doesn't this little girl have a right to know that Jesus loves her? Doesn't she need to hear? I believe she does. And so, folks, I want to start off by wrapping up last night. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. Maybe you can't give. Maybe you can't go. But you can pray. And so I challenge you to pray for both of these folks. I didn't sign up for Margaret's newsletter, by the way, because I already get it, okay? Just in case you wonder why I passed off the clipboard. I already get it Then enjoy, and I pray for her. And I'm excited what God is going to do through her. I'm excited what he's going to do through you folks. If you haven't met them before this weekend, and if you haven't already, you know, been challenged with their ministry and their heart for the Lord, your wood must be wet. We need to pray for these folks. Let's pause and pray, and then we'll start. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for those men and women that have gone. Thank you for those that pray. Thank you for those that pray for Tony and Joanna. That story could have ended very differently, but we can see your hand all over it. And to the glory of God, people have been saved as a result of an oil leak. Thank you, Lord, that you're the God of the impossible. And I wonder the stories we're going to hear down the road when the Raychards come back and, and they're giving an update and sharing how you've used them. They may not have a story of an oil leak, but I'm confident as they walk with you and follow your leading that they will have stories to the glory of God. And I'm confident. I've known for years Margaret's wanting to go to North Sentinel Island And as you're guiding and directing her, Lord, I look forward to seeing how you use her. You've given her abilities I don't have. Thank you, Lord, for raising up people that are willing to go. And as we said last night, remembering what William Carey said, I will go down into the pit if you will hold the rope. And may we have calluses on our hands and strain and not afraid to put our backs into it. To the glory of God. We gotta remember it's to the glory of God. Our flesh gets tired, our, our flesh gets discouraged. And, and God, challenge us to pray. Convict us, Lord, with the ministry of praying. And guide us here. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Gonna share tonight something the Lord laid on my heart. I chatted with Margaret the other day. I maybe cheated a little bit. Uh, because I asked her what she was going to share, and I knew what she was going to share. I thought I knew what she was going to share, but I asked her what she's going to share. And so tonight I want to share with you uh, what the Lord has laid on my heart. I learned long time ago not to presume. Have, have you ever presumed? Folks, I, I have up here uh, a little book that I, I just got the other day on Amazon. The last mission trip that I went on to Ethiopia, put a pastor's conference on there. I met 19 men that were pastoring churches that have a passion to shepherd, that have a passion to do the work. And they make very, very little. Do you know that the average Ethiopian eats once a day? Once a day. I met men and women that only eat every other day because they cannot afford to and I I met a man who was pastoring three churches three never been to Bible school never been to Bible school kind of reminds me of Apollos he didn't know very much but look what he did with it and then Aquila and Priscilla took him aside and I, I developed a friendship with this one pastor and I've been mentoring him ever since we came home in march 22 and and about a year ago he said to me he said mike i'm struggling because my pastor friends are are saying that the word of god is not true they're saying the word of god is not for today and and the tongues movement is really taking off in ethiopia and and if you have a dream that's what you preach on and he said pastors aren't even opening their bibles And, and he said mike he said i'm i'm starting to lean that way he said could you tell me or not if the Bible is our authority? And folks, him and I dialogued back and forth for weeks. And then I challenged him to get into the Word and study it. And I've challenged my students with this. Because three months later, he sent me a 52-page document titled The Authority of the Word of God. And he has put it in a booklet form. And I got it on Amazon I just got it yesterday. I just got it. He told me, in fact, him and I were dialoguing today. And he said he was going to pray for me tonight. Oh, I'm excited what God is going to do with this man. Folks, he was pastoring a church. And doubting if the word of God was true. And so we have to be careful. We have to be careful. And I'm excited. He told me he's already taken flack from pastors. Pastors. Because he has wrote something saying that the word of God has authority. Is it any wonder our churches are struggling if we don't believe the word of God has authority? And so I wonder, I wonder where we stand here in North America. Where do we stand? I I, I read a survey from a denomination that 79% of their pastors doubt that the word of God is for today. That's in North America, Ethiopia, North America. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 28 and and what we're going to look at here uh, tonight. Matthew chapter 28. We're going to read a few verses here, uh, starting to read at verse 1. I didn't finish this last quote and I I have to back up and, and if I could go back to that quote. I love this quote. Prayer is the main pillar of our vision for the future. We are focused on expanding and intensifying prayer to unprecedented levels. When you study missions, when you study the history of church, anybody that God has used has been a man or woman of prayer. Paul Fleming, the founder of New Tribes Mission, Ethnos, was a man of prayer. I got to meet one of the co-founders, Ken Johnston. Ken Johnston told me this story. He said, one night Paul Fleming and I were out speaking. We came back, we were staying at the same place. And he said we had this habit that we would put two chairs in the middle of the room. We would get down on our knees with our backs toward each other. And he said, all of a sudden I heard this funny noise. And he said, I looked over and he said Paul was on his knees on that chair and he was praying so intensely he had pushed the chair over and he was against the wall and he was still praying. And and folks he said that they started praying at eleven. And he said when they finished it was three thirty AM And he said, Ken said, Well, Paul, we better get a little sleep. And Paul said, We get up at four thirty. It's three thirty, let's keep praying. Folks, do we pray? Do we believe in prayer? Do we believe the word of God? And so here in in Matthew chapter 28, it says, beginning in verse 1, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. And his countenance was as lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the, ans- and the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not. You know what? We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. But fear controls us way too often. Maybe not you, but folks, there's been times that it's controlled me. Don't let it control you. Fear not, ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. Verse 6 He is not here, for he is risen, as he had said, Come and see the place where the Lord lay. Come and see. I am convinced we have to believe the Word of God and not doubt. A couple years at NBBI, a student came to see me and he said, "Uh, Mr. Grant, he said, out of respect for you, I just wanted to tell you I'm going to withdraw from the school. And I said to him, that's fine. That's fine. If, you, if you're not happy here, if you want to leave, go ahead and go. And he said, well, that's not the response I was expecting from you. Well, I learned a long time ago not to react. Like, no, you can't go. Please don't go. Look, if you want to go. He was a good student. He was a leader. He was involved in student council, et cetera, et cetera. He said, if you want to go, that's fine. You go. I said, but I'm going to ask one thing. I said, why are you going to go? He said, well, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. His dad was the director of a Bible camp. He grew up in ministry. He said, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't mean to offend you, but I'm going to be honest with you. I said, okay. He said, I don't believe the word of God. He said, that's just a book. That's just a book. And I said, okay, all right. Thanks for being honest. I said, so when are you leaving? And he said, you're scaring me. I said, well, if you don't believe it's the word of God, then, then true, you probably shouldn't be here. He said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. I said, so when are you leaving? He said, uh, end of the week. I said, okay. I said, one thing I'm going to ask of you meet with me three times meet with me three times before you go and if you don't want to meet with me you can meet with dave dory keith mcmahon matt little one of the other guys but i want you to meet with one of us for three times and he said I'll, I'll meet with you after the second time you know what we did we went over the word of god the word of god is for today Exact same thing that i shared with this guy after the second time, he said, we don't have to meet anymore. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I said, no, we're going to meet one more time. Because you need to be convinced, you need to be convicted that the Bible is true. That's what changed my life on October 31st, 1992. Psalms 12, 6, for the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver purified in a furnace of earth, seven times. And he said, I don't really need to meet one more time. I'm I'm good. And you know what, folks? He's living for the Lord today. And he's doing pulp with supply. He wants to get a couple more years under his belt, so to speak, and grow and mature. And I was just talking to his father this week, and he said, man, is he growing in the word of God. See, folks, he was at Bible school. He was in his second year, but he didn't believe it was true. We need to make sure. And so come and see. Do you believe it's the word of God? Does your life back that up? That it is the word of God. We have got to come and see that place if you will. And then if we believe it and we know it. Look what it says in verse 7. Go. And go lackadaisically. Go half-heartedly. Some of you are saying, no, what version do you have? It says, go quickly. There's an urgency. She's going in January. You guys have some goals as well, too. January, too, you were hoping, right? Ooh, January, January. What's up with January? Praise God. Isn't that awesome? Go quickly. Go quickly. And what? Tell. Tell. Tell his disciples. And and when we understand it, we have a responsibility then. And I believe God's going to hold us accountable. Come and see. Go quickly. And and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. (laughs) We are the only ones with this message. All of the cult leaders are dead. They're dead. They didn't rise. And unfortunately, they're in a Christless eternity. He rose victoriously from the grave. Now, jumping down, verse 8, it says, And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear. You see, that fear was still there, but it didn't control them, it didn't stop them. Folks, I can tell you so many stories, but when I went to Bible school, I didn't go to NBBI. And the reason I didn't go to NBBI is my pastor encouraged me for two reasons. He said, Mike, all you want to do is farm. He said, if you go to NBBI, every time you turn around, you're going to be back on the farm. And he was right. He was right. I grew up five kilometers from NBBI. I would have been there. And he said, you want to go with New Tribes Mission? They have a Bible school. Go there. (laughs) And it's amazing how the Lord worked because back then NBBI had a farm. I don't know when you guys went there if the farm was still there. I thought, Bible schools have farms. So I called New Tribes Bible Institute in Jackson, Michigan, and I asked the secretary, do you guys have a farm? She said, what? (laughs) I said, you know, animals. She said, oh, yeah, we have animals. So I said, okay, I'll go. (laughs) When I got out there, I met her, and I said, you said you had animals. And she said, yes, yes. Do Gutwines have a dog? (laughs) So-and-so has a cat. There's squirrels in the trees. We have animals. God used that. And you know what? The very first day I was there, a guy came in my room by the name. Ken was his name. He was from Georgia. He came in my room and he said, Mike, do you love, do you love to share the gospel? Now what am I going to do? At Bible school, am I going to lie and confess it later? I know First John one nine, or am I going to say no? So I, I lied and I said yes, I do. He said, "Let's go." So we headed out the Bible school and we started walking down uh, uh, Michigan Avenue. And not very long, we met this great big guy, and he was smoking marijuana. And he was coming towards us. And Ken said, some of you know another story that I had sharing the gospel. And uh, Ken said, let me do all the talking. I said, okay. And so Ken was doing all the talking. And all of a sudden the guy said to me, what's your name? And I said to him, my name. And he said, yeah. I said, my name. Yeah. I couldn't remember. (laughs) He said to me, dude, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Ken said to me, Mike, what's going on? I said, I'm scared. The guy said, what's going on? Folks, I couldn't even remember my name. I was afraid. But you know what? I confessed it. Long story short, that guy got saved. That guy got saved. Don't let fear control you. And then notice what it says. Great joy. And, and did run. Run. There, there's an urgency to going and telling people this message. There's an urgency. And, and they go. Well, I, I want to go now to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And I, and I want to look at Mark's account here. As, as Mark shares this in verse 8. The same account in his Mark is writing in verse 7. But go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that goeth before You into Galilee, there you shall see him as he said unto you. And they went quickly and fled from the sepulcher and they trembled and were amazed. And notice this, neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now, some manuscripts, some of the later manuscripts have this. It says they briefly reported this to Peter and his companions. And, and when you study this out, they shared it with the disciples, but they didn't share it with anybody else. Why? Because they were afraid. And you know what? I think that's how we are. We, we like, I don't know if there's any Patriots fans here. But you imagine the game, and, and they get together in a huddle. And you know, they're going over the plan, and they're getting all psyched up, and all of that. And, and, and they just keep staying there in the huddle. And it goes on and it goes on and and on, and two hours later they're still in the huddle. How many would you keep watching? How many of you would keep watching? No, they've got to break the huddle. They've got to get in the game, and and there's even some rules about that, isn't there? The clock has got to go. They can't just stay in the huddle. And it's very interesting because I see a pattern too. If we go to Acts chapter eleven. Acts chapter eleven. There, there's persecution, and and the church uh, is is spread out. Uh, actually, it, sorry, it's Acts eleven uh, where I'm going to go to Acts chapter eleven and and verse uh, nineteen. A- Acts chapter eleven and uh, verse nineteen. It says, "Now when they were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch, and preaching the word." to none, and and notice this, and underline or highlight this, but unto the Jews only. They were scattered abroad, but they were only telling the Jews. Romans 2.11 says that God's not a respecter of persons. God doesn't show favoritism. He doesn't show partiality. Why do we? And you know the cultural problems between the Jews and the Gentiles and so they shared it only to the Jews. But verse 20 says, And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spoke unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. Oh, if, if we could understand this, guys. They stepped across those cultural boundaries. This is missions 101. And they went to those dirty dogs, as they called them, the people that they despised. And when they stepped across there, the love of Christ bridged that gap, broke down that wall. And and, and what happened? Verse 21, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. When we don't show favoritism, when we step out of our our comfort zone and, and, and share the gospel... Leaning on him, not ourselves. John chapter 15, on the vine, you the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We can't do it. Margaret can't do this on her own. She needs your support and prayers. There's going to be times when she gets discouraged. We need to step outside our comfort zone. And the Lord used it in an amazing way. And the Gentiles were saved. In fact, the church then sent Barnabas there because what they wanted to see if these things were true and they got there in verse 23 who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all with purpose of heart that they should cleave unto the Lord and you know what I love about this passage when he was there folks did he find perfect Christians no did he excuse me did he come in and start nitpicking no he encouraged them He encouraged them. And he saw some areas that they needed to grow in. And and, and we could learn so much from this guy. Because verse 24 says, he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and faith. And much people were added to the Lord. So often in Christians, man, we like to let people have it. And and we minor on the majors. I witnessed the church split a few years ago over color of paint. Never thought I would experience anything like that in my life. Over the color of the paint, a few people thought it was too dark. Split the church. Some of those people to this day aren't going to church. you imagine? Isn't eternity going to be long? you imagine sitting down with the Apostle Paul? I hope in eternity, we're go- well, we're going to have lots of time. But I'd love to sit down to- and talk to Paul. Going to need a few years. And just imagine, you've got the Apostle Paul on one side, and you're talking to him, and you're saying, man, you were stoned, they left you for dead, and the next day you went to Derby and preached the gospel? Wow. And you're talking to him, and then you turn to Daniel. You say, Daniel, how big were those lines? <laughs> like, did you really pet him? What was that like? And then they say, okay, we've talked about our story, now what's yours? Well, I quit going to church because of the color of the paint. <laughs> Huh? Huh? Like, what? Didn't you have the Bible? Didn't you have the Holy Spirit? Could you imagine? Oh, folks. Do a study on the one another's in the Bible. Love one another. Forbear one another. Forgive. Be kind. Serve one another. Oh, so much we could say. And this church, what? and then Barnabas realized that they needed something he didn't have. So he went and he got Saul. What? The guy that used to persecute the church? He goes and gets that turkey? And then when he comes, verse 26, and when they found him, he brought him unto Antioch. It came to pass that the whole year they assembled themselves together with the church and taught much people, we need to study the word of God. We need to be in the Word of God. A whole year they assembled together and taught much. And the disciples, notice this, we usually put it the other way around, but a disciple is a follower, it's a learner, it's someone who forsakes their life to be like someone else. And the disciples were first called Christians, they earned the right to be called followers of Christ. We use that term way too loosely. Are we followers of the Lord Jesus Christ? Something to think about. And verse 29, we've got to go down to verse 29. It says, What they heard that there was going to be a famine. And then it says, And then the disciples, every man according to his ability. God doesn't ask us to do what our neighbor can do, It's, it's what we can do. Every man according to his ability. That's what God asks us to do. What are we doing with our abilities, our gifts? And what when we all determine to do them, it is amazing what God does. It is amazing. Now let's come back to Mark. Let's come back to Mark chapter 16 now. Mark chapter 16 and verse 9 it says, And when Jesus was risen, Early the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, out of whom cast seven devils. And she went and told them, had been with them, as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had seen of her, underline or highlight this, believed not. What? These people were followers of Christ, had spent time with him. And when they came and told him, they didn't believe. Do we believe? And verse 12 says, and after that he appeared in another form unto two of them. And as they walked, this is Luke chapter 24, stranger on the road to Emmaus. (laughs) And they went and told it unto the residue. Neither believed they them. Huh? Wow. Let's just go quickly to Luke chapter 24. I, I love to preach on this passage. This is my favorite missional passage Because these two people, I've got got to wind down here, But, but these two people were walking on the road to Emmaus and they were trying to figure things out because they thought that Jesus was come to rescue them and it didn't go as they had planned and they were sad. Oh, folks, if you have questions, if you have doubts, ask them. Meet with Pastor Karen. Ask your questions. I know he'd love to sit and talk with you. And as they were trying to figure this out, the Lord himself, he appeared. He didn't reveal himself, and he asked them what was going on. I'm not going to read all these verses, but jumping down to verse 27. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets. That's why I'm a fan of the chronological teaching. Because then we clearly see the purpose of the bloodshed. We see that he is the Messiah. And he expounded unto them all things concerning himself. And verse 28, and they drew nigh unto the village, whether they went. And he made it as if they would have gone further. They had just walked about seven miles. And they wanted to go longer. They wanted to hear more. And so they invited him to come in. And long story short, then he revealed himself and he left. Their eyes were open in verse 32. You should highlight and underline this verse and they said to one another did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way of the word of the, sorry when he, while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures because they understood that jesus came to die and to die for them and what did they do even though they just said the day is far spent come in and talk with us they turned around and walked back 7 miles Could you imagine that? Hmm. There wasn't any Uber back in the day. They had to walk seven miles, no LED flashlights. Because why? Because the the message was urgent and they had just understood it. And then we come back to Mark, we see that even though they would walked back seven miles and that Jesus had explained it to them, they didn't believe them. Do you believe? Do you believe? Verse 14 says, coming back to Mark 16, afterward he appeared unto the leaven as they said at the meat and upbraided them for the unbelief and the hardness of their heart because they believed not them which had seen him. The Lord gave them every opportunity but they did not, they did not believe. I'm convinced of this. To the degree we know God, we'll serve Him. To the degree we know Him, we'll serve Him. To the degree we understand our salvation, we'll live it. It'll ooze out of us. I want to go to another passage in Mark, Mark chapter 1. And I want you to compare these two. Mark chapter 1 and verse 40, it says, There came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If thou will, thou can make me clean. Are you familiar with leprosy? Years ago in Bolivia, New Tribes Mission had a ministry to those that had leprosy. Folks, it's a terrible disease. I now understand why they used to put them outside of the camp back in Israel's day. It's contagious. When you get to a certain stage, your fingers fall off. Your toes fall off. It is a terrible, humiliating, terrible, terrible. And to this day, incurable to man. But this guy comes to Jesus because he believes that Jesus can heal him if he wills. And the Lord Jesus Christ, what an amazing. Remember last night we talked about compassion, we talked about emotions. Here we see Jesus moved with compassion. He didn't have to, but he put forth his hand and touched him. He could have just spoke it, but he touched him. Don't be afraid to get your hands dirty for Jesus. Don't be afraid to get calluses. And he was healed, and verse 43 says, And he straightway charged him, and four was sent him out. And he said in verse 44, See, thou say nothing to no man, but go thy way. He was still under the law. Show thyself to the priests and offer thyself for cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But notice what he said don't tell anybody. But it says, verse 45 he went out and began to publish it and blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city. He told him, Don't tell anyone. But the Lord Jesus Christ had done an amazing work in his life. And he couldn't contain himself. Has the Lord Jesus Christ done an amazing work in your life? If he has, we shouldn't contain it. We shouldn't contain it. To the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you.